I know. You don't have time to pause. You barely have time to breathe. And you're saving flourishing for summer. You're too busy with all the tasks and taking care of everyone else. Except for being in this moment. And right now, this is the only moment that matters because it's the only moment you have. And I'm glad you're here. And today's very special guest is going to help both you and I make the time to pause, to breathe, and to flourish. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. William D. Parker is the founder of Principal Matters, LLC, an author and speaker who uses his expertise in school culture, leadership, and communication to equip educators with solutions and strategies for motivating students, inspiring teachers, and reaching communities. In addition to being a teacher, assistant principal, and principal, Will served for five years as the executive director of Oklahoma's Association of Secondary Principals and Oklahoma's Middle Level Educator Association. Will is a former Oklahoma Assistant Principal of the Year, recognized by the National Association of Secondary Principals. He's a prolific author and the host of my favorite podcast for school leaders, Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, a show with more than 1 million downloads. Hello, Will. I've been listening to the Principal Matters podcast for so many years. I can't believe you're now a guest on this show, and I'm thrilled. I'm honored. Will, thank you so much for being here. It's my honor, Frederick. And um, likewise, you have an amazing podcast, and you are producing some incredible content for leaders. So thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Okay. So we always like to start with the celebration. What are you celebrating today? Well, I have a lot to celebrate, um, and I'm just going to um, mention my kids for just a minute. This We're recording this in May. Uh, I have a 17-year-old who's our baby in the family who's finishing up his junior year successfully and excited about summer. I have um, our third daughter, Katie, is living in Wales and doing her university work overseas. And... Um, having a successful semester. My second daughter, Maddie, just finished her associates and I was working on her bachelor's in mathematics. My oldest daughter, Emily, is um, enjoying uh, being the nanny of triplets um, and just started her master's degree work. And so um, I'm just a proud dad, Frederick, and I get to celebrate the great things my kids are doing. Wow, that's so awesome. And and for listeners out there that have young kids, I think we should tell them adult children are amazing. Isn't it so much fun? Parenting adults is not 
a book I've read, but maybe it's something we need to work on because um, there's both an enormous amount of joy, but there's also like this, it is definitely uncharted territory because you're no longer in control of anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I say that, you know, the, the falls are longer and harder, um, but, but the ability to sit down with your kid and just have a conversation and be real and not be worried about having them pick up their socks or whatever else is just such a joy. And uh, so we are the opposite of you. I think we had three boys and a daughter and I wish, especially with my sons, I wish I'd had known that it would be so much fun when they were in their twenties, um, because it might've made some of those teen years a little bit easier. <laughs> so Will, is there a story that will help listeners understand why you do what you do? Yeah. I always, especially when I'm talking about the book, Pause, Breathe, Flourish, and the need for educators to take care of themselves, I will tell this story often, which is when those four children of mine were babies and littles, and I was an assistant principal, I had been a classroom teacher for 11 years. I was in the second year of my time as a new assistant principal. And Frederick, I was so determined to be the kind of administrator I had always dreamed of being for when I was a teacher. I wanted to be that principal that was answering questions and following up on emails and helping teachers resolve conflict and making sure kids were behaving. And um, and so my day was consumed with going from situation to situation, just trying to make sure school was the best environment that it could be. But as a result, um, I had slowly began to, I had slowly begun to drop those area, other areas of my life <clears throat> outside of work. And so I was no longer exercising. I was no longer caring about my nutrition. I was no longer getting good sleep. I was um, coming home super late at night and barely getting time to kiss my kids goodnight. And I, I have this vivid memory of putting them all on my lap and trying to read to them before bed and falling asleep every time. And they would just, they, they, they laugh now about having to hit daddy on the chest to keep me awake during story time. And one night um, after the kids went to bed, I also had this habit of just staying up late and working through the evening on my laptop to get everything ready for the next day. Cause I wanted to be such a great leader. And my wife sat down beside me, Missy is her name. And she said, Hey, can we talk? And I said, sure. And so um, I shut the laptop and she said, well, the kids and I have decided that you are a dad and husband on the weekends only. The rest of the time, the school owns you. And, and she didn't say it with um, bitterness or, um, or resentment, just like simple resignation. And she said, in fact, Will, you have become a shell of the man that you used to be. And I don't know if you've ever had someone that you love have that a real hard conversation with you, but it was one of those conversations that when she went to bed, it affected me so deeply that I opened my laptop and instead of working, I wrote a letter of resignation. And in that letter, I explained that I was going to, um, it was a letter to my board and my principal and my superintendent that, um, that I had realized that in this profession, I was unable to care for myself and my family and the school. And I would be tendering this resignation and finding a new profession and I took that letter to work the next day and I put it in a manila folder and I set it on the corner of my desk where I was the assistant principal. And I told myself, I'm either going to begin to rediscover the practices, I'm going to pause, 
and I'm going to begin to breathe again and figure out a way to begin to flourish in these other areas of my life, or I'm handing this letter in. And so um, fast forward seven years later, Frederick, and, you know, in Oklahoma, um, we're part of our principles, state principles association as a part of the national principles association. And I was recognized as Oklahoma's state assistant principal of the year. And when I went to Washington, D.C. and was uh, took my family to celebrate with me and, and I had rented a tux and my wife had a gown and the kids were in their Sunday bests. And I can still remember um, getting in the elevator with them because they were going to come take photos with us before my oldest was babysitting the kids while we were at the awards ceremony. And, you know, when I think back to that night, I, I recognize that that celebration the the success that my school had had, the success that our students had had, the success that we had had as a as a staff and a faculty that I was being recognized for on behalf of my school would not have been possible if I hadn't had that hard conversation with my wife that night and had not refocused on what can I do to make sure that I'm taking care of myself. Um, and there's an, you know, I like to use this analogy that when you're on an airplane and the flight attendant tells you if this cabin loses pressure, an oxygen mask will drop down above you, place it on yourself first before placing it on others. And what I've discovered is that leaders consistently place the oxygen mask on everyone else on the plane, and then they pass out instead of <laughs> placing it on themselves first and then placing it on everyone else. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. I know I'm, I'm hearing myself in there and I think everybody listening is hearing themselves in part of that story. And you know, the other thought I had as you were talking, and this kind of prefaces, I guess, the where our conversation is going to go today. But when you're too busy to pause, to breathe, to flourish, you're probably also too busy to be present to the teacher who is just like you to the teacher who's going home every night and working late into the night and to the teacher who maybe is either doesn't realize that they're failing in that part of their life. And so kind of, you know, those offer terrible consequences or they're just having that hard decision with their significant other. And they're thinking about that, that letter. And so if we can't take care of ourselves, if we can't put the mask on, we can't be there for that person who's just like us because those teachers are out there who needs us. Yeah. And this time of the year, especially because um, we're recording this in late April and, you know, this is, you know, for those who are in the continental U.S., we're wrapping up the spring semester. And, you know, just like I do, that this is the crunch time. This is when people have the spring break is over and graduation or end of school is right around the corner. And the number of things that you're, that are getting added to your to-do list are just getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, this is one of the hardest times of the year. Yeah. My wife calls May, Maycember, um, because she says the two hardest times of the year <laughs> in her life being married to an educator was Christmas and the, in May, because both of those required so much attention and time um, from me uh, to my school and to that community and just all the events and the after-school activities and the assemblies and the proms and the graduation ceremonies and the spring concerts and the plays. It, it's, it is. It's 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 a time of year where it's really hard to keep your head 
um, focused on why are we here and uh, and what are we trying to accomplish and how do we stay focused on people before the profession? Mm, yeah. So before we go further, I want to encourage listeners to go to your website at williamdparker.com and go to the podcast and listen to episode 337. I mean, they're all good, but episode 337 is your discussion with Helen Kelly. And that show was so impactful for me. I was listening to it, I think just about two weeks ago. And I immediately, I was in the garden and my jeans on and dirt all over me. I ran into my computer and I reached out to you and to Helen and she's, she'll be on the show soon as well. And and just said, I really want to have you on the show because um, just the idea of caring for ourselves and being present and bringing that to others was just um, his hit hit home to me. So I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, and but after this show, if you're if you can pause, go ahead and and go to William D. Parker and dial up that episode three thirty seven, or of course Apple Podcasts and things. So. That's our advertisement for the day, but that's a great episode. And like you said, we're tired right now. And and so for people to listen to podcasts that do talk about self-care and because self-care doesn't have to take hours, right? Just the pause uh, can improve. So there's the plug. Isn't it funny how, and I'm just going to say this to the listeners, because if anyone's listening who like you and me, Frederick, often listens to podcasts, I have vivid memories of the places that I was standing or working or running or like you digging in the garden or mowing or doing the dishes with specific shows that taught me lessons. It's, it's so funny because I have this, like I have this image of Helen Kelly. I'm in Tupelo, Mississippi, and I'm just finished speaking at a conference and I decide get up the next morning and I'm jogging through this that through Tupelo, which has all of these really beautiful old buildings and um, large churches, and and it was a spring morning, and I'm I'm listening to that same podcast that you're talking about. So when you said Helen Kelly episode three thirty seven, I'm I'm back in Tupelo on the street, and I am even though I did the podcast with her, even though I've written an entire book on educator self care, I can't tell you how powerful that was for me to just listen back to our conversation, not because, um, well, because I'm a student. And so, uh, and so it, it's, uh, it's just, a, I thought I'd state the obvious that being podcasting is, a, is, has its own unique um, experience for, for me too, not just as a creator of one, but also as a consumer of one. Mm, yeah, absolutely. There are a couple core messages that I'm focusing on in the coming year. Um, first being people before purpose. And I've heard you say people before profession. So I, th I think it's similar. I know we get, we get a lot of focus on do it for the kids, um, but that only takes you so far. So we need to put people before purpose. And then we need to put the simple before the complex. And so if we're focusing on people, then we're developing relationships. And if we want to do that simply, to me, that means we focus on presence. But I think pause, breathe, flourish, that's almost what comes before that. So when I saw the title of your book, I it's funny, I immediately actually felt more grounded. I did pause. I did take that, that breath. I thought, wow, this is awesome. And so um, the edition description on your book says this, so I'm quoting, unfortunately, for many educators, taking care of others often means neglecting their own health and well-being. How can educators continue doing work they love? while also making sure that they are protecting themselves in the process. 
So as you've already mentioned, right, we're a lot of times we're the last ones we take care of. So I thought that we could, in this conversation, just work through those three ideas and you can just help people think and maybe take away something that they can put into action when they wrap up this podcast and um, okay. you know, when they head into work yeah. the next day. Well, let's take those one at a time then and 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 even though we could go a lot of different directions with each of those. And first of all, I have to give credit to um, the publishing company that I worked with, Connect Ed, which uh, Jimmy Casas and Jeff Sewell uh, co-founded that um, together. And they had reached out to me when I was working on this book because I had asked Jimmy to review it for me. And so he reached back and was like, Will, have you committed to pu a publisher yet? And I was like, no. And he said, well, can you work with us? And then he suggested that title after he, having read the book. And so I was so grateful because he, Jimmy's just such a master of of titles. Um, and so I want to give credit to, to where credit is due. But when I think about the word pause, um, the first thing that I think about is mindset. And, and what I mean by that is um, giving yourself permission to be present in a moment, to recognize what's really happening in that moment and not allow all the things that are swirling around in your head or even the urgent things that need to be taken care of around you to not allow those things to steal from you the beauty or the amazing situation or the profundity, if that's a word, of what's happening around you, especially in schools. You know, you can be standing right now in a commons area at a junior high or a high school, and those were my settings, and be surrounded by all those distractions and, and important responsibilities and miss out on the laughter that's ex you know exploding in the expression of a kid's face or the <clears throat> um, camaraderie that you can find with a staff member if you just ask them what they're going to do over the weekend or pausing to step into a classroom and just take in the moment of the learning and the engagement that's happening. I can't tell you the number of times I've been transported by choirs or band members or even an athletic practice where I just pause long enough to just take in the incredible actions of kids and teachers interacting with each other, accomplishing goals, making something beautiful. Um, and he, what a privilege that we have as educators to get to see that every single day, not just manage it or, um, or, and, and not just a finish the schedule or finish the day, but to actually get to experience that. So for me, Frederick, pausing is just giving yourself permission to have a mindset, to be aware of what's really happening so that you don't miss out on the, 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 the greater value of what's in front of you, um, which is more than just our to-do lists. And the irony in that is that the hard part is not that we don't have the time because you're not talking about standing for 20 minutes and listening to the choir. We're talking about moments. The hard part is, is the forcing ourselves to pause, like pausing for that presence and being able to turn off the monkey brain so that we can really focus. And I think that's, that's something I hope people really take away from this show is that awareness that it isn't about the time, right? It's about managing your priority and your priority needs to be 
in the now, in the moment with the person you're with. Well, and if, if you were, if we're ready to talk about that second area, which is, you know, cause pausing to me is just the permission to have a mindset where you're aware of your need to take a step back and, um, recognize where you are and reflection to me is really giving yourself permission to ask sometimes the questions that no one ever gets no one ever asks you is here's here's the here's the dichotomy as a leader we spend a lot of time measuring growth or identifying where learning is taking place or not taking place or evaluating performance but we've spent very little time turning that mirror back on upon ourselves and asking ourselves, where am I growing? What did I learn in this situation that I could have, that I could apply better the next time I do this? Where were my weaknesses here where now I need to gain some strength and muscle so that I'm going to lead better the next time? Or where are some areas that I've been neglecting and because of those because of that neglect, I actually um, on the precipice of something bad getting ready to happen in my own work or my own life or my own school. And, and so in other words, give yourself permission to reflect. And so one of the, um, I'll just give you a, an example of, of what I think is a great way to reflect is by collaborating with other leaders. You can reflect alone, which I highly recommend that you take time daily or weekly. Um, that's why I started blogging, um, gosh, 10 years ago now, was it was a reflection for me, a practice of writing out my experiences as a leader, reflecting on the lessons I was learning, and then thinking about what can I do with this now? And then asking anyone who's reading it, well, now it's your turn. What, what would you do with this situation? And trying to enter into a, a conversation through my writing that allowed for reflection. And now what's happened in, in the work that I do now, because um, for the last five years, I've led our state principals association as an executive director here in Oklahoma, but I've also been leading my own LLC, doing education consulting and leading growth academies for leaders and doing masterminds for leaders. And of course, presenting on my books and that work I'm now stepping into full-time um, with the, the 23, 24 school year. Um, and what I've discovered is that when I can invite leaders into groups of collaboration and then give them permission to actually pause and then reflect, spend an hour together just reflecting on principles of leadership and then figuring out where to apply those in their own work, they walk away recognizing that, um, oh yeah, I need this too. I do this with students. I do this with teachers. But I don't, leaders so often don't do that themselves. How can we expect our faculty and our kids to exercise a growth mindset if we're not giving ourselves permission to exercise one ourselves? And so reflection is that permission to come back to those principles and practices on a regular basis. And in my life, if I don't schedule it and prioritize it, it will not happen in a scheduled and prioritized way where you're consistently, whether that's with a partner that you work with, whether it's sitting down and journaling, whether it's joining a, a, a group um, or collaborating with other, whatever that looks like for you, but giving yourself that permission to actually reflect. With the book, Pause, Breathe, Flourish, um, 
um, the publishers actually encouraged me to put uh, together a study guide, which I'm so glad they suggested that because there's a free link on the website, ConnectEd, two Ds, E-D-D, connected.org. And if you go to resources, there's a whole list of study guides for the books from ConnectEd. And, and my study guide is there too. So for every single chapter, you can go back and reflect both by yourself or with others on the way that you would apply um, the actions to the questions that are being asked. And I break the book down into 10 categories. Um, and I'm not going to name all 10 of them, but they involve your, your personal health and nutrition, your mindset, your intimate relationships, your friendships, your own resources and finances, your own spiritual formation, your own legacy building, your own mentoring, um, your laughter. So all the, these, these different areas that I think we need to be able to give ourselves permission to reflect on those categories of our lives so that we can begin to flourish, which I know is the third area that we're going to talk about here in a minute. But let me give you a chance to reflect. Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. That's so rich. Thank you. Um, I, I know I've been fortunate enough to have, I think, three, probably more, but well, four really powerful mentors in my life. And uh, my superintendent, Dr. Jan Osborne, I know that we were at the district level and the number of Friday afternoons that I spent in his office was amazing. And, and I, well, I wouldn't be who I was today without that mentoring relationship. And, uh, you know, Jan and I joke, I, I was driven, but I was also pretty self-centered in my thirties. And, and it was really through that consistent guidance that he helped me slowly, slowly understand the value of people, that it isn't about the tasks, right? It is about the people that took me a while to get to. And so those mentoring relationships can be so powerful because good mentors are going to help us not only understand how to do better the things we know, but they're also going to help us learn where our blind spots are. And, and sometimes the only person that can tell us about our blind spots are either a, is somebody that we're close with, a mentor that we trust, or as in your case, our spouses or partners, right? Those are the people that can get us to those blind spots. And the other thing I want to encourage people in, in getting mentors and investing that time with somebody is understanding too, that's a two-way street. So don't think that if you're going into your principal's office or your superintendent's office every Friday, it's not just you taking from them because those are lonely positions too. And so when you're in there, you're giving as well because they're reflecting and they're investing in the future. And you know, from investing in kids and investing in teachers, how, how good and how much, how much meaning that brings to us. You know, um, are we ready to talk about flourishing Frederick? Because, because you, you know, when we pre-recording, uh, we were talking about, um, how to try to keep this simple, which I so appreciate you telling me <laughs> because I can go down all kinds of rabbit trails. So I want to stay committed to what you asked me to do. Pause. I think we've covered that area. Breathing, we've covered that area. So let me see if we can take a few minutes and talk about flourishing. And so um, this is the thought that's coming to my mind <clears throat> as we think about flourishing. And that is, and I actually wrote this down. Um, I believe that inspiration is the fuel for, for flourishing. And what I mean by that is that 
when um, when you do take time to, to pause, have a mindset to recognize what's really happening in front of you, and then you take time to reflect on the lessons you're learning and giving yourself permission to grow and give yourself permission to revisit those areas, even in the midst of all your busyness, still giving yourself permission to just <clears throat> take a look at those areas where you need to grow. Um, you often come back to a renewed perspective on your goals or a renewed perspective on what's important or a renewed perspective on where I need to go next or recalibrating where you've been going so that you're refocusing in on what's really most important. And you said this at the beginning, which is that people are more important than purpose. And so your mentoring relationship is was such a great example of how it's that it's how you were taught that people are way more important than than all those goals. And so it, it brings us back to the center of the work that we're doing in service to others. Um, and so I, this is an analogy that I haven't used before, but I think this whole pause, breathe, flourish cycle is, it's almost like renewable energy. It's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, whenever you, whenever you give yourself permission to practice those cycles, what happens is suddenly you have a renewed inspiration to then step back in and do the things that you're doing already, but with a whole new mindset or a whole new attitude, or at least a fresher perspective of what's happening. Um, uninspired people can't inspire people. It just can't. And so, um, and so even in my own practice, I have to ask myself when I'm beginning to run out of fuel, inspiration fuel or energy fuel, what do I need to focus on that's going to help me to regain that? And I'll, I'll just be really vulnerable. This morning, I was, um, before we sat down together, um, I was getting ready and making my coffee. And um, I'm, I have a Bible app that I like to refer to daily. And, and today's was from um, Psalm 39. And there's a question that, that is asked in this Psalm where the Psalmist says, but now Lord, what, what do I look for? And his answer is my hope is in you. And so, um, I'm just using that as an example of how just taking just a moment to pause and reflect on something that is much larger than I am a universal truth that's been around for thousands of years, that's bigger than me, that's more cosmic than my per present experience, man, it just helps me gain perspective. And so now I have a new inspiration, or maybe I'm just re-inspired to remember what this is all about and, um, and, and to move forward and serve others with that perspective. It's not about, it, it's not about it, well, I want to say it's not about me, but I do want to say it's about us. It, you know, so I'm an important part of this too, but so are you. And so it's not just about me accomplishing my goals or helping you accomplish yours. It's about us. Mm -hmm. How can we together um, do what's going to help us flourish? Yeah, there's a um, academic writer, um, Dr. Jerry Sterrett, who is at Boston College and really the, the kind of father of ethical leadership um, as a field that we that we brought into higher ed. And, and he used the term present with, mm. present with as different from present for, because present for is you tell me what you need, I'm going to take care of you. And, and you know, we're pretty decent at that, but how am I present with? So it is that relationship piece. I, 
it just kind of starting to distill things from this conversation. And uh, we had talked earlier, I always like people to be able to, to take away something. So I'm going to throw something out there and, and then you can make it better, I hope. Three things, three practices that we've touched on today. If, if as a leader, if you will begin with a daily intention, I'm literally three minutes. It probably took you 90 seconds to read that passage and then maybe another 90 seconds to really to think about it before you started to move into your day. So three minutes, five minutes at the front of your end of your day to be intentional. And it can be a Bible passage. It can be something from a leadership text. I send out a daily email, comes out at 6 a.m. every day, and there's a short lesson and, and an intention just to help people set that intention. So practice one, begin your day with a daily intention, three to five minutes. The second thing then is to maintain that presence throughout your day. Be present for people, but be present with people because that's going to help you stay grounded. That's going to help you pause and breathe and be your best self. And then third is reflect at the end of the day. And again, even if it's just for a few minutes, run through that day. And, and I would add to that reflection, the first thing that you should be doing is celebrating because mm -hmm. we're really good at looking at the holes. We're really good at looking what, at what didn't go well. We're not so good at celebrating. And as educational leaders, we need to recognize those things that we're doing well. So we could do those three things. And, and I know there are people that say, I don't have time. And I know there are days when I feel like I don't have time to do that, but it's not true. I do have time. It's about managing priorities. So I'm so I, glad you ended yeah. with celebration too. And I, I love those, Frederick. In fact, I'm taking notes as you're talking because those are so encouraging. Begin with daily intentions, maintain that presence throughout the day and reflect at the end of the day. Um, and I would just add this as we wrap up, and that is um, in all of the work that we're doing as school leaders, um, give yourself permission to love your kids. Um, I think so, so many times we forget in all of the to-dos of education, um, and when they're important to-dos, academic standards are important, and behavior is important, and celebration is important, and um, finishing the school year is important. But man, what a privilege we get to be in the presence of these crazy, messy, loud, laughing um, children and young adults every single day. And um, I'm remembering a time when uh, my oldest daughter uh, had her prom and I was um, going as the principal for my like 14th prom and I was going as the dad and um, I was just... Um, standing there doing my thing, supervising while kids were dancing and having fun when I recognized there's my girl out there. And I pulled up a chair. I just went and found a chair and just pulled up a chair. And I sat and I just watched all those kids, the purple lights, you know, dancing off their sparkling um, dresses. And there was a student council leader boy that I noticed looked across the dance floor and there was one of our special needs girls. And she's was a student with Down syndrome. And he went over and reached out his hand to her and invited her to dance. And as they were, I'm going to get emotional, as they were twirling around on that floor, um, Frederick, I just was 
delighting that I got to be there to witness this joy and and in the craziness and fun of of students. So give yourself permission to 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 love your kids because that's why we do this work. Yeah. And the uh, I think there's another piece of that which is we will never know what impact that love and that care has on a lot of kids. Sometimes we know, but it's easy to overlook how impactful a small thing can be. And you know, your story reminds me, one of my last years teaching middle school at the end of the year, I had a girl leave a letter on my desk and you know, she wasn't, she wasn't the standout kid that, you know, you're engaging with all the time. She didn't have the charisma that draws you in. She was a kid with the other 90 kids that I taught. And she left a letter on my desk and she said, I spent more time with you this year than I did my own dad. Mm. And, and those, so just us being cognizant, give ourselves permission to love those kids and also recognize what a powerful opportunity we have to impact them. Yeah. That's what flourishing is, isn't it? Mm. I have two questions left for you, Will. And the first one is, what part of your own leadership are you still trying to get better at? What part of my own leadership am I still trying to get better at? Um, I think that when I transitioned from leading a school to being a director for a state association and then starting my own consulting work, that I've realized that um, there's a danger of becoming more isolated, even though I'm interacting with people and teaching and leading and instructing them, because I'm not as present with a team every single day like I was um, as a school leader. And so um, that's such a great question, Frederick, because I've been thinking about this lately, which is like, how do I continuously stay engaged in collaborative work with other people so that I'm not allowing myself to get tunnel vision or to become isolated from the real work that's happening within schools. So part of that is just being intentional to stay connected and reach out to leaders. In fact, right before we got on this call, I was just thinking about that. And I was thinking about three leaders that I had just connected with over the past week. Um, one who literally saved the life of a kid who had um, stopped breathing and he was able to um, resuscitate that child before IMSA got there and save that child's life. A second principal that I had just talked to who um, they had a threatening situation on their campus from someone they weren't quite sure who it was. And through a lot of amazing detective work and IT help, they were able to track and ping a phone to a place and identify where the danger was and make sure the school was safe. You know, or I think about um, even the school that I get to work in here every single day because I'm officing at a school here in my own community and the, the principal here who just takes time every day to be so encouraging um, when he gets on the announcements with students and remind them that they're special and why they're here. And so I, I just, um, I think in my own work, it's been something that um, I recognize that that the farther away we get from kids sometimes, um, the harder it is to maintain perspective. And so that's part of my 
commitment in my own growth is to try to stay connected to the schools and the leaders and the kids to whom they're serving so that what I'm teaching is actually relevant. I love that. The further we get from kids, the easier it is to be disconnected. Yeah. Before you go, what's one thing that you want listeners to take away from today's show? Mm. Gosh, can I say two? Yes, you certainly can. <laughs> you can have three. I'll say two. These are going to sound like they contradict each other. And Frederick, since you listen to my podcast, you've heard me say these things before, but I'm going to say them anyway. This is going to sound mean, but you are not as important as you think you are, is the first thing I'm going to say. And the reason I say that is because sometimes we overemphasize the importance of our jobs, responsibilities, and positions we think our schools can't run without us. We just pour so much of our time and life into the work that we're doing as if um, um, it's the most important thing in the world. And it is important, but you are not as important as you think you are. Someday your school is going to exist without you. It just will. People are someday not going to remember you were there. I've looked at the pictures of the folks who led my school before I did 50 years ago, and I don't know who they were. But they cared passionately about that work, but we've forgotten them. And so it's just important to keep in, that in mind because I think it it, it, uh, it allows us to practice humility in recognizing that this work is important, but someday we'll be forgotten in that work. And that's okay. And the second thing I want to say is going to sound like it contradicts the first, and that is that you are more important than you think you are. And what I mean by that is that your presence right now right now, this very moment that you're in is what matters. That when a kid comes to talk to you or a teacher needs your attention and you're distracted by your phone or by your computer or something else, just give them 60 seconds of undivided attention. Look them in the eyes and make sure they recognize they matter to, to someone because those little touches that you're doing every single day are the things that are going to impress upon people their importance and the dignity that they have way more than whatever big award you receive or accolades or legacy you want to leave behind. And so we're both not as important as we think we are, Frederick, and more important than we think we are. Thank you, Will. You're welcome. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. Um, you do, you have a lot of work. You have a lot of opportunities. You've mentioned them a little bit. Can you give one more kind of final summary of the things that you're doing for people that are listening to this show and think, oh, I want to go spend more time with that guy? <laughs> well, thank you. And I know you do a lot of this similar work, Frederick, too. So I just want to encourage people that want to grow in their leadership to reach out to you. Or if you want to check out some of the things that I do for leaders at my website, you can go to williamdparker.com and just click on the services link. Right now, I've highlighted three things on my website that I'm doing for leaders. One is what I call the Grow Academy, and it's a monthly virtual meeting that I lead live for leaders. And we take a different leadership principle every single month. Normally, I set those up in groups where we spend either an hour or an hour and a half together, depending on the commitment. And it's just a great way to give yourself permission every month to to be able to log in, sit in a group of other leaders and allow me to lead you through some principles and then ask you to reflect on those and apply them to your leadership. A second offering that I do is what I call a mastermind for leadership impact. And that's usually leaders who've gone through my Grow Academy who want to continue growing together. And we just do 
book studies or content work together that leads into conversations about work and practice. We do a hot seat where someone brings an issue each time that they want others to help resolve. And then I ask you to do a self-reflection assessment with me every single time just to see how you're doing um, in the in the practices that you're working on. And then the third thing I offer is um, executive coaching. And that's just one-on-one. And a lot of the leaders I do that with, we do it quarterly because it's sometimes hard to commit to ongoing coaching, but you know, four times a year we're checking in and I'm really digging deep. And I use a reflection, a cycle of reflective, seven reflective questions that I ask in those sessions just to really lead them through what's on their mind, what's the challenge they're facing, what do they really want to accomplish, um, how might I help, what are they saying no to if they're saying yes to something else, and what's uh, the, what's something they can apply in the, in their leadership. And and a lot of that um, reflective cycle, I. Um, borrow from a work by Michael Bungay Stanier called The Coaching Habit. If you've never read that book, I highly recommend it because I've used it a lot in my coaching practice. Um, and then, of course, I come in and do um, presentations. Um, I keynote at events, especially principal and leadership conferences, but I've also done some openings for uh, teacher convocations or closing out the year. Um and I do retreats, uh, so sometimes leaders will bring me in to just ask me to spend an entire day working with their leaders to give them permission to spend the whole day pausing and um, reflecting so they can flourish. And and so listeners can hear that you're committed to doing the work that we've talked about today. Mm-hmm. Well, again, this has been so awesome. Thank you so much. I've just enjoyed and appreciated having you on here and just sharing so much wisdom and just emphasizing really the the foundation that our leaders need to attend to. Thank you, brother. All right. Take care. You too. Will suggested two things that you should take away from this episode, and I want to elaborate on each one of them. He said, You are not as important as you think you are. Now, I thought about two things with this statement. The first is to not take ourselves so seriously. In the grand scheme of things, I'm not that important. And so I can and I should laugh more. Secondly, I don't have to be the one. The danger in thinking that we're all important is that we don't let things go and we fail to find opportunities to empower others. We jump at every opportunity to serve at the cost of our own health, and in the process, we elevate the urgent above the important. Will also said that you are more important than you think you are. Every day, each moment, we have a choice in how we show up. Most of the time, we will never fully understand the impact of how we show up. But we are so important important in the lives we are present with at any given moment. Give yourself credit for the influence you have and show up as your best self with others. I also want to come back to application to three practices that help you put pausing, breathing, and flourishing into action. First, begin your days with a daily intention. Draw from a spiritual text, a leadership book, or a daily email like the one I send out at 6 a.m. every morning. Secondly, be fully present with people. Pause, breathe, and be present. And third, reflect at the end of your days, or at least at the end of the week. 
please don't tell me you don't have the time. Remember, it's about priority management, not time management. If you check the news or social media in the morning, then you have time to set an intention. Presence itself is more about your attention than your time. And reflecting, I mean, in all likelihood, you're already doing that, in part by listening to this podcast, but consider shutting off everything on your drive home. In that quietness and stillness, you will have time to reflect. You can catch up with me on your morning commute. Thank you for including me on your leadership journey. I look forward to seeing you again on Friday when we recap this week's daily emails. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. I'm Frederick Buskey, and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Cheers. Cheers.